This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you haven't followed the Strictly Anonymous Podcast yet on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict Anonymous. <laughs> if you want to be on the show, it's called Strictly Anonymous because I change everybody's voices. You could call me from a phony number. I don't care even to know who you are when you call in. I just want to hear your true story. So if you have an interesting, naughty, uh, true story that you want to talk about while be, while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, you could be on my show. Go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. If you want to call into my confessions hotline and leave a confession, you can. The number is 347-420-3579, 347-420-3579. The voices are changed over there. You got four minutes, leave a message if you need longer, just call back. All of those anonymous confessions are on my Patreon. You're going to want to go join my Patreon, not only to listen to all those anonymous confessions, there's hundreds of them on there. You get all the anonymous pics of all of my hot female guests who have been on the show. They all send me hot, sexy pics of themselves. Those are on my Patreon. You get Q&As where I answer all kinds of questions but the best thing that you get on my patreon that people love the most is access to my private discord where everybody's getting super naughty x-rated you could do whatever you want on discord it's a place where my the people that are on it could post their own stuff and get x-rated you could email people post stuff talk to people post videos people are hooking up on there i am getting emails all the time oh so and so i hooked up with so and so i don't get involved in my discord but there's a big community over there over 1800 people you only get access to it if you join my Patreon and it's only $5 a month for all of that. I really keep saying I'm going to raise it, but I'm like, why raise it? So many people join for five. Why not keep it super cheap so that a million people sign up and everyone has effing fun? The link to my Patreon will be in the description. It's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. I will leave all the links and the phone number and the email and all that shit in the description. Okay, so today, as promised, in my Monday episode with Ashley, episode 740, that was not a repeat episode, okay? That was a redo episode. Ashley called in to talk about how she fucked her best friend, stepdad, and mom. Oh my God. And then she gave such a great update at the end. If you didn't listen to that episode ever in your life, go listen to it. If you listen to the first one, you're like, oh, this is just a repeat. It's not. It's a it's a redo. So go listen to it. It's 10,000 times better. I believed her this time. I knew her story was real, so I didn't ruin it. Um, but what we did talk about on that episode was Ashley... <laughs> had called in around my 500th episode time. When was that? Probably like many years ago, like three years ago, two or three years ago. And she wanted to interview me for my 500th, 500th episode. And I'm like, oh, what a great idea. This is before I knew what I was going to do. But I knew I wanted to do something for my 500th. Am I saying that right? <laughs> episode? <laughs> that had to do with me. I never really talk about myself. So she suggested she would interview me and we decided that she would come up with questions. I wouldn't know anything about the questions ahead of time. I like to just do things very organically and spur of the moment. I didn't want to know what she was asking me. I didn't give her any feedback. She just came on and asked me a bunch of questions and I answered them. Now, I never aired this episode even though we took that time, you know, many years ago to tape the whole thing, because I decided to change things up. After me and her did those questions, I thought, oh, uh, maybe I should get my old co-host to interview me for my 500th episode. I thought that would be fucking killer. Uh, I tried reaching out to him. He, of course, flaky as usual. That's why he was fired. <laughs> he never 
did it. I tried to get Robert Kelly to do it. He's fucking flaky too. Never got back to me. Wouldn't do it. Fuck off everyone. I don't really care. So I decided to do what I always do, which is do it my fucking self. I put a call out to my listeners. Like, what do you want to know for my 500th episode? And they came up with some really great, great questions. And I wound up doing it that way. No offense, Ashley, because I know you're listening to this. The reason why I decided to do that instead of air this episode is because I felt like most of my listeners would want to know more about sex, more salacious stuff. She does ask about sex. The last 20 minutes is all about sex and we do talk about it. But this episode is interesting too. So I decided uh, to air it because we did take the time. I did answer all these questions. Uh, a lot of my Patreon members know answers to these questions because I do Q&As on Patreon for them all the time and talk more about myself over there. But I don't do it typically on my podcast. So, you know, this is for people who listen to my show that want to know more about me. She asked me a bunch of questions like, how did I start my show? Why am I, do I do a podcast to begin with? Did I always want to do a podcast? Like what my childhood was like, what I was doing in my twenties. Have I ever been in love? She asks about having a child way later in life. She asked me what my toxic, toxic personality trait is, all kinds of different questions. Worst call, best call, scandalous calls. She asked for best and worst sex stories for me, threesome stories, whether I've ever been swinging, my favorite fantasy, whether I'd ever be with two guys, that kind of stuff. So we get into all of it. It is very different, like I said, than my 500th episode. And that's why I'm airing it. Why not? I think starting in January of this year, which it is right now, <laughs> I'm going to be doing four episodes a week. Uh, so is this a bonus episode? I don't know. I think this is just my extra episode that I'm starting to air. And that extra episode will be something different each week. Probably not more of what I do the other days, probably something a little bit different and or interesting. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. But anyway, this is an interview with me. You're going to find out some interesting stuff. If you really want to get more salacious stuff, listen to my 500th episode. And if you did listen to my 500th episode and you listen to this, let me know if you think I made the right decision. But this one is definitely going to be interesting as well. So hope you enjoy it. Ashley took the time to come up with these questions. She's great. You're going to love her questions. So I'm going to be right back on with Ashley and me. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Hey, Ashley. Welcome back to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. You're here in a different way today. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's funny. I, over time, for as long as I've been doing my show, people have wrote in and always said, like, why don't you do an episode about you? Blah, blah, blah. Lately, it's been ramped up a bit because I do show some of myself on YouTube and some people have just wanted to know more. And I was like, okay, my 500th episode is coming up and I was thinking I'm going to have that Q&A with me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set it up. And then you emailed me without me even asking. You emailed me and said, hey, would you ever want me to interview you? I think your guests would really like it. Blah. And I was like, yeah, I was. This is like what I was thinking about. You are a controversial guest who have been on my show. You like fucked your best friend's mom and her stepdad. I'm going to put a link to your episodes, your episode in my, in the description so people could get to know you if they don't know who you are. Because today we're not going to be talking about you. We're going to be talking about me. And I got to shut the fuck up because it's going to be your show. You're interviewing me. What are the rules, Ashley? You tell me. Okay, so here's what I thought. I would just start off with prepared questions that I thought that I would like to know about you and also questions that I'm sure your listeners would like to know also. But I think there should be like maybe a plead the fifth type situation where there's one question. You only get one question. I think a lot of these are going to be open-ended. You're going to want to talk more about each question I have. So, um, But wait, I just want to explain that. Like, I have to let everybody know that Ashley asked me ahead of time, do you want me to send you the questions? And I said, no. I have no idea what she's coming right. up with. I really like for everything to be super organic. So if you ask me something I don't want to answer, I'm going to explain why I don't want to answer. And I think that kind of content is interesting as well. So 
ask away. I have no idea what these questions are. And I might plead the fifth more than once, but if I do, I'll explain why. So oh, anyway. no. No, it's my <laughs> You can't. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, okay. So some of us already know, but tell us a little bit about how your show came about, like how it started. It was, it, it really started backwards, like most things in my life. I did to set out to do a podcast. I had worked in the entertainment business. I knew a lot of comedians. Now, back when I started a podcast, those were the people that were doing podcasts. Now everyone's doing a podcast, but back when I started, it was like comedians were doing podcasts, not everybody. But my comedian friends were like, oh, Kathy, you should do a show because I always liked to talk. You know, this kind of, the kind of talk that I do on my show. I liked doing it with my friends and people would get irritated by me. So I was like, why don't I do a show where I could help people and do what I like to do, which is ask a million questions and really get to know people with people that want that to happen. Right. So I didn't know the name. I didn't know anything. I got a co-host. I said, it's going to be in a call and advice show about romance and sex and stuff. And I'll just help people with their problems. And I just, I mean, this is the story that I've told before, but maybe some of you haven't heard it. Like I did not know where to get callers for my show. I 100% believe my show was going to suck. I was uh, horrified that I was doing it. I was really nervous and I didn't want to fall on my face in front of anyone I knew. So I didn't tell anyone I was doing it. I didn't want to post on my social media to find callers, right? Because like I said, I thought my show was going to suck and I didn't want anyone to know about it. So I was like, where can I advertise to get these people that are going to call into my show? So I went to Craigslist and I swear to God, I like went into the community section and the job section and it was all like pay 50 bucks to post an ad. And I was like, I'm not paying 50 bucks to post an ad because I'm like frugal. I was like, where can I do it for free? So it was seriously the, the, what were those called? The personals. That was the place that you yeah. could, that was the only place you could post mm -hmm. for free. So I posted on the personals and I posted in every single section, men for men, women for women, it was strictly hookups, everything. And I struck gold. I got my first five episodes were taped in the, in one day. My co-host was so angry at me because he had to talk for five hours for me there's nothing better I could talk for five hours straight not my co-host he was pissed he was like let's never do that many people at the same time but I was like this is it and then I got the name I decided to change people's voices it just all sort of happened backwards because like I said I, I really didn't plan on it being a show about sex but it's not like oh I was somebody that was like so close-minded about it I mean I was always down to talk about it. I was always super open and non-judgmental. So it wound up to be the perfect fit for me. And now if I'm not mistaken, that personals is, is not on Craigslist anymore, correct? They yeah, no. And let me tell you, thank God I had been doing my show Oh, yeah. When I started, because in the beginning, like now I get hundreds of people emailing me the, every two days that wanted to be on my show. I just have more people that want to be on my show than I could accommodate. But back in the beginning, for the first couple of years, I had to work my ass off to get people to call in and there would be weeks where I didn't have somebody and I, I eventually created an adult friend finders <laughs> profile that I would be emailing people just like I had to really work and the Craigslist personals were my end all be all I posted ads as well as responded to ads so that's the way I would work it by the time Craigslist went under it was like thank God I'm at the point where people are emailing me to be on the show. I didn't need it anymore, but I would have been fucked if I had started six months before they went bust because it was, it's hard to find people to call in. I don't, it's not hard for me now, but it was in the beginning. Okay. Finish this sentence. In 2024, I deserve a sex life. That is what, what comes to your mind? Don't be afraid to say it or think it because whatever it is, you deserve it. And Dipsy can help you get there in new and sexy ways. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories. No matter what you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy has something for you. Whether you're into straight stories or queer stories, threesomes or more some stories, you're going to find it on Dipsy. There are literally hundreds of stories to choose from and they release new content every week, so there's always something new to explore. They also have sleep stories, wellness sessions, written stories, and my favorite feature, which is the jump to the action button. So if you're super horny and you want to get right to it, you just press a button and it's going to take you right 
to where the action starts. So what are you waiting for? Go get Dipsy. And for listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash strictly anon. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash strictly anon. Dipsystories.com slash strictly anon. Or just go to the description and click on the link. Right. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. That's strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictly anonymous podcast. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. So you kind of hit on this a little bit, but was a podcast something that you ever saw yourself doing, like growing up, or was this ever in your mind, like journalism or anything like that? Or talk show? I was obsessed. I have always, I always talk about how I'm obsessed with like reality TV. I was also obsessed with talk shows, like real shit, like real people stuff was always my thing. I was obsessed with talk shows and I was always like I would love to be a talk show host and not a talk show host that's talking to celebrities like those shows that were around back in my day like Sally Jesse what's his name not so much Geraldo Rivera he was too like bizarre I like just the regular real people stuff so anyway so yeah I always wanted to have my own talk show and for me it was always like or a radio show and then it became like you know if I could get paid to talk for a living, that would be ideal. And so to me, that's what I always wanted. And that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's talk about you when you were in your 20s. Um, what were you? Were, were you in college? Were you working somewhere? What were you up to? No, I did things very different when I was younger. I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do when I was super young. And then like, when I was 26, I moved into the city and then I went back to school. I went to college when I was 26. So, you know, my 20s were just me partying, going out, like figuring out who I was and just having a good time. And I really was not taking life so seriously. Right. So what about your childhood? What what was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, listen, I was thrown out of not one school, not two schools. I was thrown out of Three schools, okay? <laughs> what? Yeah, three high schools. I was thrown out of three fucking high schools. I, being a child, was not fun for me, okay? Like, I know that some people are like, oh, being, like, their childhood was like the best times of their lives. They were like the worst times of my life. I couldn't wait to grow up and just be an adult and do whatever the fuck I wanted. There was a lot of reasons why I didn't like being younger. One was that, like, I wanted to just be my own person. And I think it's hard, like for me, and I think some personality types, it is hard to be younger because everyone's telling you what to do. You can't do your own thing. So I was super rebellious, but I also had on top of that, besides that personality type, what, what really made me act out was I didn't have great parents at the time. I mean, I'm still close with them to this day, but you know, they were like most parents in my generation, it was like pretty fucked up and they fucked me up and I really acted out and uh, I really hated school and I just threw it in the shitter. I mean, I mean, if I look back, I think what an asshole I was because I could have done so much more. I always was very bright and was skipped grades in school because I was like of high intelligence, but I was like horrendous. And it was all came from not being happy and being dysfunctional and all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> I, I, I was the same way in school. I, I got most uh, dramatic every year and, and I was all that <laughs> was wanting like getting thrown out of class because I wouldn't stop talking. You yeah. Know? So yeah. That's, that's funny that, that we can relate on that for sure. Um, 
have you ever been in love? I don't think so. No. With a guy, maybe my first boyfriend, I thought so with my son and yes, but like with a guy, right? That's what you're asking. No, I wouldn't. I would not say I was ever in love with a, a man. I don't think I was capable of it because of my childhood. I don't, I think in order to really get to love, you have to get past trust. And I was always super distrustful and I'm not good at relationships. So no, I don't think I've ever been in love. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. When you're not working, because I know the podcast takes a lot of your time up, but when you're not working, what do you like to do? on your free time. I mean, it's funny because I've been there, done that. I did everything. And then I had a child late in life. And so at this point, I literally like my show is a full time job for me. It's like my career at this point, it pays all my bills and then some. There's so many different things besides my podcast that I do have a YouTube channel, I have a Patreon, I have my social media, there's just a lot of more work that goes into it. So I don't have a lot of free time. When I'm not working, I'm with my son, I have a a child. So on weekends, I'm out and about with him. I was always the type of person as much as I hated being a child myself, I love hanging out with children. I find them to be a little bit more fun a lot of times than most adults. Everyone just wants to do the same shit. They just want to go to a bar and drink. I don't drink. Like children are just down for adventures. So me and my son go out and about. And when I'm by myself, I love to go to movies because I don't drink. That's like a great way for me to check out. I love going to the movies. I love learning about things, Googling. I love just being out and about and just going on adventures. I don't know. But like mostly with my son, that's who I'm with. So I was going to ask you, are you comfortable talking about having your son later in life? You said you were, how, how old, are you comfortable telling how old you were when? 46. Your- yeah. No, no, no. I was 46. I think it's like when I was 46 at that time. My mom was 43. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it can be really, really hard. And did you do, I don't know what they're called, like the yeah, shot? I, yeah. Everything. I did everything. Nobody believed when I had my baby, I had so many friends like, I mean, like ready to give me like the fucking Medal of Honor because they were like, how did you have a baby? Like I failed at having a baby more times than most people fail. I mean, like I just never gave up. I had six IVFs. I had not, I think, 11 IUIs. I mean, I wound up in the hospital. It was a long, crazy journey but it was like the best thing that could have happened to me I learned so much going through that and it taught me so many lessons so I really don't look back at that time as something negative I think it was something amazing I mean as a commitment phobe like I said I never been in love because I never committed to anyone because I was always too afraid so committing to having a baby was the first thing I ever really committed to and then failing at it so much and then just still moving on really taught me how to be more committed. Like I feel like I have less fear of commitment and less a lot of things because I realize that even if I fail or things don't go my way, I won't be totally fine. Like I was fine. I mean, I failed a million times. Like I said, I, and when you fail at having a baby, like it's huge. Do you know what I mean? It's like you either have a baby and your whole life changes or you don't like the, the extremes of what you get or don't get are so humongous that it's like a rough go and anyone that has been through infertility understands that but I learned so much and it made me a better person and so it all worked out perfectly for me and having a baby at 46 was the perfect time for me if I had a baby at 26 I would have thrown him out the window and been miserable and I don't think that that's for everybody everybody's different but for me My motto was like, I would rather be changing diapers no matter what I saw people doing. I was like, that's exactly where I wanted to be. And I wanted nothing more than to just be with my child. And I had nothing that I felt like I was missing out on, you know, because if you're really going to be a good mom, like your child takes up like all of you, especially the first like two to three years, two and a half years, it's like learning a new job. You're just hyper-focused. That's all you care about is your child. When nothing, everything on the outside, it's like you doesn't even exist. You're in a different world. But I was fine to be in that world because I had been out doing my own thing my whole life, doing whatever the fuck I wanted. Right. Um, so are you seeing anyone right now? No. And I would say um, yeah. I, I have a booty call, you know, when I want to get laid. I'm always going to get laid. But I would say that uh, 
after my son turned like three and a half, four, I was like, oh, I could see myself maybe starting to date again. I would always get the other moms like, why aren't you dating? Like, you're still hot. Like, you get guys. Like, when my son was like two, I'm like, are you kidding me? The last thing on my mind was dating anyone. All I cared about was my babe. But now I would totally be open to dating somebody and I've been thinking that since he's been about four and then fucking COVID hit and then now I've just been so focused on like becoming very successful with my podcast that that's like really first and foremost love and finding love is always at the bottom of the list for me unfortunately but it's starting to move up and it needs to be because that's what I believe like the minute I'm sort of ready for it I'll find somebody but I've been just focused on other things it was my son and now it's my success and then it'll be love. Okay, so tell us what your toxic personality trait is. What what do you mean toxic personality trait? Like, I feel like everybody has. Oh, I have so many. You mean like what is like the worst part of me? Like the first one. (laughs) What's like the worst that you just wish that you could eliminate? But like I would say like mine is sometimes I'm I'm a little hypocritical. Like I don't look at situations from somebody else's point of view. That Mm -hmm. would be mine. Oh, mine would be, I think I'm definitely reactive and I hate that about myself. If something makes me angry or I get upset, like I react without even thinking. I'm very reactive and I can be a hothead and I, that, I think that would be it for sure. My personality, I have a very strong personality. I'm like. Oh, absolutely. Half of our, our call, I wanted to slap you because you thought I was (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm very direct and I'm very a lot. Some people would say I have a lot of toxic parts of my personality. <laughs> but I, I but I think that that's that's why you're so strong in, in what you do. Yeah, because you have the reason uh, the reason that a lot of us watch you or not watch you, but listen to you is because you call people out. On yeah. Certain- mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. We're going to call and talk about this and you're going to come on my show. If I feel like there's some dishonesty here, I'm going to call you out. And I think that's a part of you that, that I like. And I, yes. and I think a lot of others like as well. Yeah. That would be like my good quality, not my toxic, but my toxic. Yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's the way you look at it, I guess. But so I know we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but I just wanted you to explain like, how long does it take you to prepare for an episode? Like what all goes into it? Zero, zero. I love this question because there is zero. I remember when I first started doing my show, one of my comedian friends listened to an episode to give me feedback and he was like, wow, I love the question. Like your questions that you had written down were so good. I'm like, what do you mean questions written down? I don't have any fucking questions written down. I never, I do zero work before so I- I would have never thought that. Yeah, no, I am just naturally curious by nature. I When I am talking, and this is why I get so mad when people on YouTube are like, stop fucking interrupting. It's like, fuck off. I'm doing this because I'm actually interested in what the person that I'm talking to has to say. I'm not, it, there's no bullshit here. I love people so much and like just regular people. I feel like I could have a conversation with a guy in the park that I never met and who's 80 and find him fascinating and want to talk to him for an hour because that's how curious of a person I am. And I'm curious about human nature and people and I find people interesting and that's what my brain loves to do. So that's how the story gets created. And I love the way I do it because you never know what's going to come out. You know what I mean? What I create on the show, I never know. It's sort of just created as we're speaking. And I love that flexibility of doing that. It's like art. It's a blank canvas. I get on the show, on the call and then whatever comes out, comes out. And I always love what comes out because I don't know. I can't prepare. I have, when I have experts on and I, they're the, my worst hated episodes and they're not bad for other people to hear, but I, because I do try right. to prepare for them and I'm terrible at it. Right. Well, and I think too, with you being so inquisitive, it gets more information out of your callers. Like yeah. what they wouldn't have said. Yeah. To get them talking. And yeah. that's, that, that's what, again, what makes a show such a hit. And I'm going to tell you, before I did my show, like, I I can't tell you how many times I was sitting across from somebody 
or on the phone with somebody that I just met and they'd be like, I can't believe I'm telling you this. Like, I don't know. I've never told anybody this. And the reason why people have always sat across from me and told me things is because they could tell, they could smell on every fucking level that I am actually interested in what they're saying. And I'm not listening because I'm trying to judge them or make myself feel better about myself because they're going to say something like most people listen or ask questions for. They know I'm literally asking questions because I'm interested. And that unspoken thing that's coming out of me allows that other person to open up and tell me things. So people tell me more because of that. And that's why it works. And sometimes I will cut out some of the stuff that I say about myself because it's not about me. It's about the other person. But I I do like to put myself out there. And I think because I've always been very honest about my stuff, people are more likely to tell me about their stuff as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Has there ever been a call that was so scandalous or maybe controversial? Versial that you decided not to air it? Yeah, I had two recently. I, you know, I would never air anything. There's been times that very early on that like, it doesn't happen so much now. It did happen actually within the last two years where someone will uh, regret it afterward and say, I just don't want you to air that. And I would never, I would never try to fuck somebody up. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I really yeah. respect people's wishes right but there was one time where a girl called in and she told me like at the end she was like 16 I don't know what it was but she was not legal age so I was like I cannot air your episode and she kept emailing me like now I'm 17 I'm like no not till you're fucking 18 years old or older like I can't air it so something like that and then recently I had two guys that called in and it turned into like this incest stuff like where they think it's like hot and like it's one thing if you think that like you were molested and you want to talk about it I love episodes like that like seriously and I've had those episodes on but I cannot do a person that is coming on to talk about something like that and they like to turn people on that's the kind of stuff where I draw the line I'm not into it I don't want to promote that I don't want to turn people on by that I know that people have that maybe but I think it's like something like a little bit off there but like I said I I have had on people who talk about how that's a fantasy of theirs and they role play that and they don't know where it comes from and that's a different story but when it's in real life that they're telling me I'm just not into it yeah yeah no I I totally understand Uh, who is someone that you would love to have on your show What I really wish I could do, you know how they have the masked singer where they have like a celebrity under a thing and nobody knows who it is. I've never watched a show, but I would love for a celebrity to come on and I would never out them and never tell anyone, but like have them tell their story. Right. And maybe it's somebody that was in a scandal. I would love to sit down and have a a conversation with Louis CK. I love that whole thing that happened to him. I would love to hear his side of the story. I would love to talk it out. I think it would be great. Something like that, like some sort of sexual scandal with somebody. I would love to get to the real human being part of it and really have a conversation about it. We could dig deep. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah, I just don't know that it would ever happen. (laughs) Never say never. Yeah, because I listen, I'm sure there's celebrities that find my show and listen. I just don't know that they would call in. Let's see. Who is your least favorite guest? Oh, God, I would say it was poor Donna that loved to eat sperm or whatever her fucking thing was. I've learned over time, the best guests are the people that email me, I want to be on your show, okay? When it's like, oh, you should get this person on. They're always not so great. And this was a woman that was her husband or partner emailed me and said, oh, she's really into eating sperm or I don't know what it was, like ingesting it. What do you even say? I forget what the title was, but she... she I- heard that one. Oh, oh and why it was so bad and it gets the most views on YouTube and I, everybody says that was the most painful thing I've ever heard because she did not uh-huh. want to talk. She had she was not interested in being there. It was like amateur hour for me. Like I was doing it now I would have shut it down because I felt sorry for her. It's not her fault. I do believe that someone forced her into doing it. I, it was probably at a time where it was hard for me to get callers. So I still needed this to be an episode. So I went with it and tried to get details out. But like on YouTube, you see a lot of people saying, oh my God, Kathy, I give you credit for like sticking in there and stuff. But 
you know, I probably should have never aired it. I probably should have never went on with the episode because it was very obvious that she was being forced into doing it by somebody else and she didn't want to do it. And that's like, uh, that's the episode that I think was the worst. Okay. So have you ever considered walking away from your show? Has that ever crossed? Yeah, for sure. Right before I decided to start monetizing it, because I never did. I never focused on monetizing it. I did it for seven years and just took care of my life. And it was just something that I did because I enjoyed doing it, but I didn't make a dime. I never missed one episode every Sunday for seven years. I did it. And then I was kind of like, you know what, if I'm not going to make money now, like my son is older, I got to go back to work. Like I can't put in all this time when I'm not making money that I'm like, maybe I just have to end it. I mean, it's like too much. But instead of ending it, I decided to really focus on making it something that I make money on and monetizing it and making it my full-time gig. And that's what I did. And it took off and I'm just happy that I did not And I remember having a conversation with somebody and saying, I think I'm just going to stop. It was like my old agent friend. And he was like, Kathy, I just actually was just thinking that it's getting so good. Like you shouldn't leave that. So I did, I didn't, but yeah, I, there's been times where I'm like, Oh, you know, because it, because it is a lot of work now. No way. I love that's, it. I was- say like I think that it's misunderstood the work that yes podcasters have to put into this there there's so much and that's kind of like what I wanted to make sure that we hit on because like it's not respected as much as it should be in my opinion people think that you just record something and then you throw it on a I don't know and then it then you air it but it's not that easy there's Mm -mm. you know so I'm glad that you're hitting on that because a person that is is putting all their time and work into this should be getting compensated. Totally. Because you have to. And that's why I always say thank you to my sponsors. They're like everybody who listens to podcasts listens for free. You are getting free content. Somebody has to pay those people to do it because like I said, it becomes a full-time job if your show is big enough. So how am I going to make money? I don't want to shut it down and put it behind a paywall and charge people for it. But yeah, I have helped a lot of people start podcasts over the years and most people fail because they do think, oh, I'll just throw it up and whatever, like magic. You just get a following. But it takes it takes a while. It's a lot of work. But listen, it's like what I love to do. My co-host very early on when we first started, it was like, when are we going to get famous? When am I going to make money? When he just wasn't into the process he was into like with the payoff I mean for me obviously because I never made a dime off of it I I love doing it because I did it for seven years with no money it was like obviously what I just genuinely like to do um but yes it is a lot of work and now because when I did decide to monetize I started to put more work into my YouTube and my Patreon and then I really started to work my Instagram and it all is takes a lot of time. I love the way my Instagram looks. It takes me hours to pick the pictures that I want to make it look right to what am I going to say? It's, but that's a part of my job. That's the way I look at it. And, and I love it. Okay. And then also now that, so you said you had a co-host to begin with. Yes. That didn't work out, right? No, I fired him. Well, obviously it didn't work out. That yeah. was stupid. Yeah. Um, was there a big story behind that or just he didn't want to do it anymore and that was it? No, he was like, he was my co-host. It was devastating actually because I did it for the first six to eight months, but it was like a lot. Listen, I was taught very early on, like when you do, like, and it was a smart lesson and this is a good lesson for everybody out there. When you do something like do it your fucking self and if you're going to do it with somebody else, take on all of the responsibility so that when it doesn't work out, there's a clean break. And so I, when I set up the podcast, I paid for everything. I did all the work. All he had to do was show up. I booked the guests. I found the guests. I paid for the equipment. I did the advertising, everything. I learned how to edit. I hosted. I paid. Like I said, all he had to do was literally show up and he couldn't fucking do that. Okay. He was like a piece of garbage. He was someone that I slept with. He was like my long-term booty call. There's many episodes with him. We stayed friends afterwards, but I was devastated when it didn't work out, but it was mainly because I was just so hard to coordinate guests as well as him and he was very flaky and he had it like a bunch of restaurants that he owned and stuff so he was just never really available so I had to fire him and that was the best thing I ever did I think it's a lot easier to do things on your own and the best thing and like I said it was great that I had paid for everything and did everything because like the minute he left there was nothing for me to learn I was doing all the editing I was doing all the booking I was doing everything so it was a clean easy break devastating at first because I didn't know how my show was going to work 
I had never talked to the fucking wall. Like when I had to do my first intro where I'm just talking, it was so hard for me. I felt like I, I just didn't know what to do. It was weird because and that's why I had a co-host. It was just more comfortable for me to talk to somebody. So but anyway, that was that story. Oh, that kind of answers my next question. You you wouldn't, which you do not need a co-host, but have you ever considered maybe having a co-host after all, all of this happened? No, or? no, no, I, no. You're, I, I don't think you need to, but I just wanted to ask. No, anyway. people loved him and he was like, he was very different than me and he brought something separate to the table and I really was nervous when I lost him that, oh, without that sort of normal person's voice he was like he would just say stuff that I was like oh my god this is so stupid yet my audience like loved him but no I really like it to be my fucking show I could say whatever the right. fuck I want and I don't need to hear somebody interjecting with nonsense that I don't think is worth it it's just me and the guest and so no I would never have a co-host on again okay I support it okay <laughs> so now we're getting into the nitty-gritty yeah so, SEX stuff probably uh, right yeah yeah, so how old were you when you lost your virginity? I think I was 15. I couldn't wait to lose my virginity. I was one of those people who I would read magazines and I hated that I couldn't relate to articles in there about sex and stuff. I, like I said, when I was younger, I just wanted to grow up and be like an adult. So having sex was a part of that. I just couldn't wait to do it. I had a friend that I really tried to lose my virginity, but like for some reason it never worked. Like we tried to fuck each other. Just, it just didn't work. I remember giving my first blow job to him. My losing my virginity is pretty, is a pretty crazy story. It's a good story. It's like a losing a virginity story that nobody else has. Well, tell it, tell well, it. All right. I'll tell it. It was in my book, but I'll tell it. It was like, so I was, there was a guy, like I said, that I was like super in love with and we tried to fuck and it didn't work for some reason and we never did. And then I started to, I went to this restaurant all the time because I love the French onion soup there with my friend and I was like 15 at the time. And we went into the bar area and the guy was like my neighbor's friend. He was like this 21 year old guy who was bartending. He was like, oh, aren't you so-and-so's neighbor? Like I seen you around. We're young girls. Like, yeah. And so he starts like giving us drinks, which is like always great, right? You're 15, you're drinking, you don't have, he's not checking our ID. And he starts to ask us questions and then like, we're like drunk and he asks us if we're virgins. And I'm like, no, I'm not a virgin, but I was totally lying. And this is why I don't lie. Okay. Because there's nothing good comes of it. <laughs> and so I said, I'm not a virgin. And then it turned out that he was like, oh, we're looking for a hostess for the restaurant. And so I applied and I got the job. And I start working there. Now I think so. Now I'm 16. So maybe I'm 16 when I lose my virginity. So I start working there on the weekends. And this guy starts to make a play for me. He's 21. I think I'm 15. So I don't know how I'm working at 15. But like he's hitting on me. And we're like making out in the back. And I'm like, I'm going to have to date this guy. And I'm going to have to fuck him. And he's going to find out that I lied about being a virgin. So what do uh -huh. I do? So I called up my friend who I had always tried to lose my virginity with. And I was like, listen. I need you to do me a favor. Like, I need you to fuck me until my cherry pops, until I bleed, so my boyfriend doesn't know that I lied about being a virgin. And that just tells you so much about me. <laughs> like, that is the type of person I am. <laughs> I'm a problem solver. And that's exactly what we did. I still have the note from the guy. Like, we typed letters to each other and wrote them back and forth. And this is the instructions, and you're going to get to my house. And I took the bus from my Catholic school to his town and got off and went to his house and we uh, fucked and I didn't bleed and I'm like you gotta fuck me again like I was like it was like it was like yeah I was making sure and then I bled and I'm like okay thanks and then I had sex with my boyfriend and he never knew <laughs> oh my god <laughs> this is why you don't lie this is why I don't lie <laughs> <laughs> okay so I also had on here for you to tell us your best sex story and then also your worst Oh my God, that's really hard. I had a lot of sex because I was never like, like with long-term boyfriends. I was like that too. I, I was single for eight years. And yeah, so, so you fuck around a lot of people. Like I, I had a boyfriend early on and he was like probably the longest boyfriend I stayed with. And it was, it was definitely because he had the biggest dick I had ever seen in the sex was like amazing. So like that, I wouldn't consider myself a size queen now. But back in those days, he was like one of the first guys and it was just so big and so pleasurable. And I stayed with him for so long. So probably he was someone that stood out as some of the best. But like my co-host 
that I slept with for eight years. He was like my booty call that I had. There was just something about him. I would just like go over in two seconds, like fuck him and be done. I mean, there's it was just like turning on a light. It was so easy and quick. And I, I don't know what it was. And it, he wasn't great. I never kissed him, by the way. And everyone, make, everyone knows that story. No, I hated his mouth. I would never kiss him. We never dated. But I would fuck him. And he was great. So, you know, there's been a couple guys that stand out that I just had like intense chemistry with that were like my best and my worst I don't know what worse would be. I did a lot of drunk sex when I was yeah. like blacked out drinker. That was how I really acted out when I was younger. So probably all of that sex was the the worst. But probably the guys would tell you it was the best. So <laughs> is that the reason that you try to stay away from alcohol? That you, you The reason you don't drink now is because yeah. of... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was definitely an alcoholic. I was like a functioning alcoholic. Like I was the type that would, I'd be out till five o'clock in the morning, but I would not miss work. I would puke in between cust, uh, phone calls when I was like working at the, the place that I was at. And I was able to keep it together, but I was, but I was a blackout drinker and I would have sex with people I didn't want to have sex with. I do not feel like I was taken advantage. It was all in my own doing. I was hurting nobody but myself. And I was really acting out because I had issues. The same person that was thrown out of three high school. I was acting out and I acted out sexually for sure. And when I was drinking, I only quit because I couldn't um, like stay unblacked out for a long time. Like it is progressive in that like I could I could drink for hours and then black out like the last, you know, hour of the night. But, you know, fast forward to the time when I'm like almost 34 around that time, I would take two sips of a drink and blackout. I was <clears throat> changing all my alcohol drinks because I'm like, OK, I can't or I won't drink tequila or vodka anymore. And I'll just try to drink beer and then I'm drinking beer and that's fine. And I'm able to stay not blacked out. And then I started blacking out from that quicker. And I my body cool. just couldn't handle it. So I really just quit when I quit because... I was doing crazy things and blacking out and I had no control of myself. But it wasn't until I quit for a long time that I really realized like, oh, I was drinking for other reasons. Like alcohol wasn't the problem. The problem was this whole slew of other things. And and, and then I started to deal with those when I got sober. But yeah, I stopped drinking because I... I can't handle my alcohol. It's just not for me. You know what I mean? I'm a classic addict. Like, I have to put dish detergent on my son's french fries if I don't want to eat them. Like, seriously. Because if I like something, I fucking want it and I want more of it and I can't stop. I'm an addict in every way, shape, or form. And I use it to my advantage and, you know, I'm addicted to good things now. But I definitely have that personality. Okay. So, let's talk, like, threesomes. Have you had them? Yeah. I had, yeah, I had one that was like set up in a drunken blackout that I didn't even know. I mean, I remember it and it was like, it is really a funny story. I feel like I've told it on one of my YouTube videos. I don't know, but I was like out at a big club called the Limelight. They had rock and roll Sunday nights and I was there with two guy friends of mine. One guy friend of mine was like, I think maybe we were banging. I don't know if this was the first time I banged him or he was after me. But anyway, I lived in the city at the time and he was like, oh, this girl needs a place to stay. She can't she she can't get home or whatever. I'm like, sure, like bring her back. You know, when you're young, I would never do that now. But so she comes over to our house. I have new roommates at the time. I have two other roommates and one of the people that live in the middle room the wall wasn't built yet so they're like laying in bed and this is what they tell me they said that like they see three people walk in with me and then they see one person walk out and I don't know anything of this is happening but these are new roommates so me my friend another guy friend and this girl all go into my room and then the guy who was trying to bang me or that was banging, like starts fooling around me. And so does the girl. And it turns out that she was like a straight up lesbian. She wanted nothing to do with him. It was like both of them on me. And we all fooled around. My other friend left and all my roommates knew. I mean, it was like fucking horrifying. And she was so psychotic and she smelled really bad. I had her, I had her stink in my hair. I mean, it was so gross. I come out in the morning and I'm like, what the fuck happened? And I go out and she's sitting 
in the living room with my roommates and she's literally has her hair. She had like hair extensions. She had them out of her hair and she's holding on to her hair extensions and brushing them as she's talking to my new roommates. Like she's like a fucking loon. And now I look like, oh my God. And these are new roommates. They saw three people come in. They saw one person leave and they saw that this girl slept over and now she's like brushing her hair extensions in front of them. Like they were not in her head anymore. She's like holding them like this is so embarrassing so I had to tell them what oh my gosh so that answers my next question was the threesome any good I'm gonna take that as a a, no No. and then after that I would always act out like whenever I would break up with a guy I'd go like fool around with the girl like it was just something that I would do like to get my head out of the game or something but it was always like drunk and stuff so there was one other threesome with a couple and that was bad because that girl the minute we started to fool around and she could tell that her guy was paying a lot of attention to me it flipped her out and I could I picked Mm -hmm. up on her uncomfortableness and I just didn't feel comfortable doing that to her like I was like I'm a girl's girl like I'm gonna be on her side you know I understood and I felt bad for her so that ended and so the other times with girls was just like solo stuff but always yes. when I would break up with a guy, but never recently or anything like that. So have you ever in, involved yourself in any kind of swinging or anything like that? Or is no, it just, no, um, it's, I mean, I talk about it a lot. Like when I was younger and wanting to grow up and learn, do all these things, like I was always obsessed with being a swinger. Like I was always like, that's the top of the mountain the, of being evolved. If you, I could get to a point where you could just be totally into somebody, but just open and do whatever you want and not own them sexually and be a swinger. I was always obsessed with that when I was younger. And that was always like my goal, but no, I'm not there yet. But I, you know, listen, if I was with the right person, I would, I would try it all out for sure. I, I feel like I would go into my next relationship more open about things. I don't think I would look for a totally monogamous relationship. Mm-mm. But not uh, because I want to fuck other people. So you are attracted to women, you would say. Like if you're out and about and you see a hot chick, you're like, she's hot. Yeah, I could totally look at women like a man does. Like I used to sit on my roof with a guy friend of mine where I lived before I live now. I had a roof on my, I mean a pool on my building and me and like the guys that lived in the building would like rate the girls. I could see things in women like a man. I never felt like when I fooled around with women, like there was always something missing in it for me. It was like this weird energy thing that fell flat for me. I can't explain it. There's something about like the male energy mixed with my energy when it comes to sex that's like very hot to me and whereas when I was with women there was like a lack of that and there it just never was like it never felt like something that I was into though I could look at a woman's body and feel the way so that's why I always say my guy being with other women and that kind of thing is like interesting but would I need to participate probably not so I I uh so that's the way I would engage in a with a woman, whereas she would be with like my guy, but I don't necessarily have to be with her. Right, and you know, I've I've had threesomes that that you could clearly see that not all parties were equally involved, and it just takes the it it, it changes the mood, it takes the desire out of it, it, it and it's not as hot anymore. It yeah. ruins it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, can, for sure, absolutely. So what would you say is your naughtiest? sexual top of the mountain fantasy a fantasy of mine was always like two guys at once but it was always something I would never do like a DP two guys one guy fucking you dick in your mouth like that kind of two guy one girl thing was always a fantasy of mine but it would never was never something that I ever felt that I would do in real life but to me that was like the naughtiest thing like DP for sure Double penetration. Because I was always into anal, and I liked regular sex, so why not have both? I had anal in here, too, that I was going to ask you about. Uh, Yeah. So, so if you were to get with someone right now, and he had somebody, a buddy or whatever, so and you were comfortable enough with him and comfortable enough with this other guy you wouldn't try? I don't know. I can never say never, but I always felt like that's something I never wanted to do in real life, but it was like a fantasy, yeah, it was but, you, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know because I also always felt like I wanted to be a swinger. So that would open up. So maybe if I opened up and had a very successful open relationship, that would come into play. I don't know. 
But I would say no right now, but leave it open to maybe it would progress to that. You know what I'm saying? And I would maybe the it's, it's a block for me. And maybe if I did it, I would love it. But I, I feel like right now that would be a no. Okay. Okay. You answered this one. Have you ever slept with someone you work with, but you did? So oh, my God. Can... So many people. <laughs> so many people I worked with. <laughs> I mean, I've done the same. So it's Who doesn't? Who does it? I mean, work drinks afterwards. I remember I was like training with a boss of mine and his old assistant was training me and like we went out and had sex. I mean, I didn't even like him. We hated each other. I remember telling my boss because we became really good friends. I'm like, oh, yeah, I fucked that guy. He's like, really? What? I was like, what? He was like training me. I don't know. Like shit happens because of alcohol. That's kind of stuff stopped happening to me when I was like 34 because I stopped drinking. I mean, most people wouldn't do a lot of things if there was no alcohol involved. That is liquid encouragement. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My last question is other than me, (laughs) have you ever had an episode that you could tell that the person was lying about everything? Yeah. There's so many of them. Yes. My favorite was when there was a guy that was talking about fucking his aunt and he was like reading me text messages and I was trying to snag him in a lie when I made him read yeah. me the text message like three times because I'm like if he's making up these text messages he's not going to be able to say them verbatim so I made him say it like more than two times like in a row and he got it and then I'm like thinking in my head like no you know what I'm going to do I'm going to make him say it like 20 minutes from now pull it you know so I waited for a little bit and he was like driving and I was trying to catch him in a lie we were ho- totally talking about how I thought he was full of shit and I'm like why don't you get back that text you read me and read it And oh my God, it was like one of my favorite moments ever. Cause he's like, he's still like doubling down. He knows he's never going to find it because he was totally lying. And he like pulls over on the side of the road. And I think he says that a cop stopped him. I don't remember exactly what happened, but it was like the great, one of the greatest moments ever because he was totally lying and he had no text message and he couldn't read it back because he was full of shit. Everything he said. So did that episode air? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have to go hunt those. It's hilarious. It's so-and-so fucked his aunt. He never fucked his aunt. It was all a lie. It was so obvious. And then I and I say, because in the beginning, there's one point where I'm really trying to get him on those text message uh, things. And then I'm like, in the intro, I tell people, like, just wait, because it comes a little bit later. I bring that back around, and then he's totally busted. And to me, it's hilarious. <laughs> have to go in yeah but yeah there's been a lot when listen there have been a couple times where uh I haven't called somebody out and sometimes it's it's like it's just my mood I sometimes just make a decision because like I said I'm never really prepared I never know who I'm getting on the phone with right so sometimes I go with it there was a guy I think his name was Steve. He's very popular on YouTube. And he had some wife and her friend and he'd take him up to the gangbangs on the hill and all this stuff. When he was so good. I mean, I really believed everything he said until he got more towards the end. And we started talking about kids and what went on. And he just got a very outlandish. And I'm like, oh, my God. But it was it to me, it was so fascinating that I really didn't like say anything about it and didn't call him on it because this was like a guy that I really believe believes his stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't explain it. If there's a comment on my episode on YouTube where somebody's like, she really believes that this happened. And I'm like, no, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for you, it really (laughs) did. But sometimes I feel like there's some truth or a lot of truth and then some fantasy. So every now and then there's somebody that was lying and I go with it because they're just like a great storyteller and then sometimes I'm in a weird mood and I'm like I just call them out and I'm totally wrong so really there's no rhyme or reason I'm always making up the rules as I go along and why did I say something to you because I thought you were lying but you weren't and why didn't I say something to the guy who I thought was who knows yeah I think it's hormones I would absolutely love we mentioned that we may do this again and and make it a little bit longer and get Everybody well, else why don't we do this? So why don't we now, those were your questions. Why don't we now spend another half hour? This could be a longer episode. It's my 500th episode. Why don't we now do the questions that people sent in? Okay. Perfect. Okay. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, Ashley. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. 
If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.